Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions, and thank you for our time together. What a beautiful day we're going to have today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Brothers and sisters, I know, especially for our brothers and sisters in Cebu, today begins more hardship as they put you into total lockdown. But please, it will be well with you. This will pass, and it will be well with you. God has never failed you. God has never forsaken you. And he won't do it now. So, Father, we lift you all of our brothers and sisters in Cebu as they go into hard lockdown today. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that the grace of God be upon them. Lord, that you bless their little businesses, that you bless and provide financially for every family. Father, for the businessmen with their businesses, I ask that you supernaturally sustain those businesses, that you supernaturally bring in work and supernaturally bring in business, that, Father, they can continue to earn even from home. Father, let your grace be upon their hearts and their attitudes. Let not frustration and bitterness come in, Lord, and stop their minds from working and render them unproductive. But let their hearts be clean and pure. Let them think about whatsoever things are good and lovely and pure and of a good report. And keep their mind flowing with the good things of God like a beautiful river. And the creativity and the ideas continue to flow. I thank you for it, Father. We pray for all of our businessmen here in Manila. And Father, we're so happy to hear that the Jeeps are going to get to operate again next week. And Lord, we're just so excited that, Lord, you're beginning to open things up here in Manila. But Lord, we ask for our nation. Lord, we know that we as believers are redeemed from this thing and we only see it with our eyes. But Lord, we pray. You also said that we are to seek the prosperity of the city that we live in. Because as it prospers, so we too will prosper. Father, we ask for mercy, for mercy upon Manila, Lawag, Cebu, Davao, for all of our cities. We ask for mercy on our land from Batanes to General Santos. Father, for the mercy of God. And Lord, just stop this virus. But Lord, don't do it in a way that people will say, trust in the science. Father, it's been, it's been hard to hear them say that. It's been hard to hear them say Put faith in science and put trust in science and believe the science. Father, let them see that there is a God. Let them see the reality of God in this thing. And Lord, do it in a way that people will not be able to credit anything but God. Father, glorify yourself in this thing. This, this thing has brought so much slander against you, Lord. Glorify yourself in this thing. In your mercy, just stop this thing and do it in a way that every man will see that there is a God in the heavens above. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to worship now.
<laughs> well, as we open with Psalms 91 today, we have a very special request that came in from Rafa. She wanted to recite it on her birthday. So, happy birthday to you. And that's all I'm going to sing so you don't run away. Rafa, recite for us Psalms 91. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you had made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalms 91. Awesome. And again, happy birthday, young lady. Now let me talk to you about long term as we continue to move forward. Uh, we will have drive-in services again this weekend. If you'd like a slot, please call your district pastor or your campus pastor and reserve your slots for either Saturday morning, 7.30, Sunday morning, 7.30, or seven or Sunday morning, 9.30. All right, so 7.30 Saturday and Sunday, 9.30 on Sunday. Now, here would be my counsel to you. I'm not telling you what to do, but here would be my, my advice to you. If this is going to be a long-term thing for you, like we're dealing with seniors, we're dealing with someone with medical conditions, and you just can't be out and about in the crowds right now, your doctor has told you that you can't be around crowds, well, then why don't you just start making Saturday morning your regular drive-in service? Because this is the one that we will keep. As the other services reopen, we'll be using the parking lot for the main auditoriums, but this is the one that we will keep. And so Saturday morning will be specially for our seniors, for those with medical conditions, you don't want to be out in crowds. And rain or sign, I will be there preaching the same sermon I'm going to preach on Saturday and Sundays because we've walked together a long time. And guys, please, you're just going to have to understand me. Some of these seniors, we've been together 25, 30, 35, and some of them 40 years. These are people that have caused us to be. Yes, it's the grace of God. Yes, God has done it. But these are people that God has used to get us to where we are today. And in their older years, we don't turn our backs on them. Now, seniors, I also understand that you are having great fun with senior moments. Our special little 30 minutes, Monday through Friday, just to sit down and do something just special for you with some of the old songs. And uh, we're having fun together with it. Thank you, seniors. Your example, your faithfulness all through the years is something to be honored and admired in Jesus' name. All right, we have a testimony for you now. 
Hello COP, this is Laike Hadas from South Campus and Astor and Go Group Leader. I just want to testify the goodness and faithfulness of God in our family. My husband has a small business sa bahay namin. Nagtitinda kami ng itlog. When the government announced na mayroon tayong ECQ, we thought na may hirapan kami sa aming supply because our supplier is coming from Batangas. But instead, nagtuloy-tuloy yung kanyang supply at nagkaroon pa kami ng maraming customer. Naging saleable po talaga yung kanyang paninda. At the same time, sa aking pinagtatrabahuan na kumpanya, uh, I just want to thank God dahil even though na hindi kami nagre-report everyday, but the company give us our full salary. At meron pa kami extra allowance when we report for work. Kaya nagpapasalamat talaga ako sa Panginoon na talagang hindi niya, ka pina, hindi niya kami pinabayaan during this time. At yung verse na gusto kong i-share sa inyo ay yung Romans 8.28 And we know that God caused everything to work together for good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose for them. Thank you po. Yan lang. Amen. Well, all this week I've been spending a little bit more time in the New Testament than the Old Testament and probably I'm going to do that again today. Monday, because it was the first great lessons that we learn about Gentile evangelism. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, because we're getting into the second great challenge that could have destroyed the early church. And, you know, I said there were two great things that almost destroyed everything Jesus lived and died for. One was the prejudice between the Hellenistic and the Hebraic Jews in Acts 6. And now the second one is the prejudice between the Pharisaical Christians and the rest of the body of Christ. Now, we learned yesterday that these people belonged. Let me say that again. They belonged to the Pharisees. And it's fascinating because in Acts 12:1, the believers belonged to the church. But this group didn't feel like they really belonged to the church. They belonged to this doctrine of the Pharisees. And they caused tremendous havoc in Jerusalem, in Antioch, all up through the Galatian Peninsula. In fact, Paul write, writes the entire letter of Galatians to the churches up there just before this Council of Jerusalem takes place. That's why you can see almost the anger in his words, because he's in sharp debate with these people when he writes that letter. But this, this second great challenge here almost completely destroys the church. And it's really a challenge of false doctrine. Do you remember how Jesus said, beware the leaven? of the Pharisees, that the yeast of the Pharisees referring to their doctrine. Leaven is something that's insidious. It, it gets into something and just, just begins to grow until it permeates every bit of it. Now, we're seeing the beginning of this leaven planted. Unfortunately, by the time we get later on to the book of Acts, we will see that it's these people who win. Now here they lose. In the early days, they lose, but they never gave up. So by the time Paul goes to Jerusalem with his great offering to bring healing between the Jewish and the Gentile churches, James looks at him and says, we have all these believers here, and they're all zealous for the law. Excuse me? Zealous for the law? Why weren't they zealous for Christ? Why weren't they zealous for Messiah? Why weren't they zealous for salvation by grace? Why weren't they zealous for the gospel? And because of that, Paul is imprisoned, and later James dies. Now, brothers and sisters, never, never underestimate the power 
of false doctrines, please. So let's pick up today with verse 22. Now, they've had their big debate in Jerusalem. Peter has taken a stand and said, you need to listen to me. God used me first. God made a choice of me. He said, you need to listen to me because God chose me to start all of this. And you're kind of forgetting this and fighting Paul and fighting Barnabas. But hey, I'm the 800-pound gorilla in the room that you all agreed with before. So he takes a stand. And James stands up and, and silences it. Verse 22. It seemed good to the apostles and the elders and with the whole church. Now, not necessarily those who belonged to the Pharisees, but to the whole church. So in other words, there were people who claimed to believe in Jesus, but they clung to being a Pharisee and they never became a part of the church. Who chose with the whole church. Say whole church with me. Now, evidently, not these who belonged to the Pharisees, but to the whole church. You see, there's always people who hang around who don't really belong. Let me say that again. There's always people who just hang around, but they don't really belong. And the church is all united in one direction, and there's one little group who just hang around but don't belong. They always go crosswise with everybody. That's like this group. So it seemed good to the apostles, the elders, and with the whole church to choose men from among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Say, hey, we need to straighten this out because otherwise there's going to be division between the church in Jerusalem and the church in Antioch because these people claim to represent us. So they sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers. Now you'll notice this is the introduction of Silas, who Paul travels with extensively later in his life. With the, with the following letters. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. So this whole Gentile range. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions. Now let's just park the bus there for a few minutes. He said, we've heard people have gone out from us. But they had no instruction from us. They had no authority from us. They were without authorization. Another translation actually says they were unauthorized. Now, unauthorized people moving into a local church always trouble God's people's minds, always unsettle people's minds. And they do it with words. So understand that. Unauthorized. Let me say that again, unauthorized. That's a great translation of that word. We gave them no instructions. Another translation says they were unauthorized. Now, you keep hearing me say you have to be careful of people who went out rather than are sent out. These are went out people. These are people that were not authorized. They just went out, and they caused chaos wherever they went. Now, I, I watched some of the young, well, they're not young anymore. I would call them my prodigal sons. They went out from us at COP. And every place I hear they've gone in the world, they cause trouble. They cause trouble among us, and every place they've gone in the world, they've caused trouble. They've split churches. They've caused division. Unauthorized people, people who just went out, never, never give them an audience. Please, never give them an audience. They will claim relationship, just like these guys did. These guys claimed their relationship. They claimed their closeness. 
They said, hey, we gave them no, no instructions. He said, they, they represented that they had instructions from us, but no, no, no. So always check if people are authorized. Are they a went out or are they a sent out? A sent out will bring you blessing. A went out will only trouble you with words and unsettle your minds. It seemed good to us. Okay, this is how we're going to clean this mess up. It seemed good to us having come to one accord. He said, we, we've just talked, discussed this and we're agreement now. So we decided this is how to clean up the mess. And really, cleaning up messes takes time. So, all right, so li listen to these guys. He said, we've got to clean up a mess. Now, the mess begins in chapter 14, verse 19. It ends here in verse 35, but it picks up again in chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, because Paul, Paul has to go up now through the Galatian Peninsula to all those places he went before and bring this same letter. So cleaning up messes takes time. Cleaning up messes is unproductive because you can't go up and break new ground because you're cleaning up messes. He said, this is how we're going to clean up this mess. It seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now notice, they validate Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's validation. But hey, these guys trashed Paul in front of you. These guys trashed Barnabas in front of you. These guys disrespected them in front of you. But we respect them. They've risked their lives for the sake of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. They validated Paul and Barnabas before the church in Antioch. Now, this is important because Barnabas came from Jerusalem. Paul had been in Jerusalem. So you have to understand this validation is very important. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood, and from what you have been strangled, from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well, farewell. So he, he puts on them basic things. And, and I keep forgetting the word. And I'm looking, I brought the book home so I would remember the word, and then I forgot to look it up again this morning, and my forgetter is working well today. But the Jews had a, a concept of, of God-fearer salvation, and basically it follows these things. Verse 30, so when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Now notice, encouragement. They were encouraged by truth. They were encouraged that they had not believed wrongly. Can you imagine how these people felt? They had given themselves wholly to the gospel, and now everybody's telling them it's not enough? Their leaders that had taught them and led them for years and they had believed in were trashed by these guys who said they were from the apostles in Jerusalem, and now they found out, no, these people were unauthorized. We stand with Paul and Barnabas. That is an encouragement to the people. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets. So, okay, Judas and Silas were prophets. That was the office that they walked in. Encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Now, again, the ministry of prophecy is edification, encouragement, and comfort. First Corinthians. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. So, all right, when you are sent out, you are sent back. <laughs> now, that's a very simple truth. 
They were sent out in peace by the brothers to whom had sent them. When you are sent out, there comes a day that you are sent back. (laughs) And again, people belong to local churches. But Barnabas, but Paul and Barnabas, now here's Paul listed again first. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, and with many others also. So there's a huge amount of preaching taking place, uh, and Paul is again in the preeminent position. Verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Paul has already written this letter to the Galatians before they ever even went up to Jerusalem. That's why it's so hot. But he knows, you know what, we need to get the physical copy of this letter up there because these, these, these people who belong to the Pharisees and claim to be Christians, they have really done a bad job up there. These people uh, oftentimes are called Judaizers. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Now that's his cousin. That's his cousin. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, another translation says, who had deserted them. The word here, withdrawn, in the Greek is a very strong word. Now, Barnabas's and Paul's are very different personality preachers, okay? A Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He's always believing in everybody. He's always giving everybody another chance, etc. But you notice he wasn't there when Paul got stoned. Now, he was there in the doctrinal fight, but he wasn't there when Paul got stoned. Paul's a different people. They push themselves, and they expect the same of everybody else around them. Paul said, now, wait a minute. Last time we took your cousin, he walked out on us. We were counting on him, and he walked out on us. No, no, I, 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 don't, I don't want him with us this time. We can't trust him to finish what he started. Now, forgive me, both personality types have a place in the body of Christ, and both personality types have a place in leadership. I would tell you Barnabas's have a problem getting things to grow. Paul's, they have a mercy side, they have a sweet side, but they're willing to say, no, black is black and white is white. Now. You may not like the Pauls in life because Pauls in life don't, they don't pet on anybody. They don't coddle you. They expect you to do what you said you were going to do. John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, he walked out on them. He deserted them, said, hey, you know, just before we begin this trek up the mountain, when we need the strength of this young man, he flakes on us. He runs home to Mama, and you want me to bring him back with us again? I don't think so. We're going up the same territory. How do we know he's changed? Now, brothers and sisters, please forgive me, but there was a huge fuss between Barnabas and Paul. It says in verse 39, and there was a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from one another. Now, if you ever wonder who's right and who's wrong, let me read the rest of it, and you'll see that. So they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark and went with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Now notice, he wasn't sent out. He just departed. He got mad, took his cousin, and they left. 
Barnabas was a Cypriot Jew. He just took his cousin and they left and went home to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, this prophet who had come down from Jerusalem, and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of God. So who was right? Paul. He was sent out. Who was wrong? Barnabas. He went out. Now, where do we have this conflict? The conflict is because Barnabas put family ahead of right and wrong. He just wanted to give his cousin another chance. He put family before right and wrong. And do you notice? We don't ever hear of Barnabas again. God put together an incredible team of a Paul and a Barnabas, of a strong man who's going to demand what's right and a son of encouragement at his side to balance him. This was a Holy Ghost team. But because the Barnabas put family ahead of what was right, he left the team. Now, you, you, you see everything that Paul did the rest of his life, and you just wonder how much more would have been accomplished if that team had stayed together. But Barnabas refused. It was not Paul who drove Barnabas away. It was Barnabas who chose to leave because he put family and relationships ahead of right and wrong. And the church sends out Paul, but Barnabas just goes out. Now, we, we see this huge conflict between close friends, ministers of the gospel, born again, love God. God had put them together into the most incredible evangelistic team that could have changed the world even more than Paul did. You just It's one of those what-could-have-beens. How many times do you wonder, Paul just thought, you know, I wish Barnabas was here. Barnabas is really good at that. But Barnabas couldn't keep his attitude right. And so he goes off into total obscurity. Now, Paul still reaches out and changes the world, but honestly, I believe it would have been far greater. Now, I say this because sometimes you're going to see conflict between ministers. And usually it's a conflict between the Barnabases and the Pauls between the guys who just want to encourage everybody and don't necessarily hold strong to right and wrong, and the guys who hold strong to right and wrong. Now, if you wonder who's right, it was the Paul. If you wonder who was wrong, it was the Barnabas. So I, I challenge you today, maybe you're a Barnabas, and you look around and you go, you know what? I just don't like it. They're too strong. It's too too rigid. They, 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 won't, they, won't, they won't have mercy. Well, excuse me, it's not about mercy. It's about he deserted the work. Jesus had a lot to say about that. You put your hand to the plow and turn back. You're not worthy. Now, in the mercy of God, we do see that John Mark did have a future. He went with Peter. Peter picked him up and began to train him. At some point, he came in contact with Peter. Barnabas is gone, but he comes in contact with Peter. Peter has a long-term relationship with his family. Peter picks him up and begins to train him, and he writes the Gospel of Mark, which is really Peter's account of the Gospel. It's, it's Peter's oral testimony of the Gospel. So, you know, John Mark did have a future. He could have had a better future, and he could have done more. You see, every time we make bad decisions, we limit our futures. Barnabas limited his future. John Mark limited his future. Please. Stand for what's right. 
Oh, I'm going to stand for mercy. No, 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 you have to stand for what's right. Let God deal with mercy. You need to stand for what's right. Now, he goes on. And they went through Syria and Cilicia. Now, Cilicia, that's Paul's home province. And they went through Syria, and they went back up to the Galatian Peninsula. We'll see here in chapter 16, starting tomorrow, strengthening the churches. So they, they could not focus on new evangelism. Here, we're still cleaning up the problem. They could not focus on new evangelism. They're cleaning the yeast out of these Gentile churches. They're cleaning the work of these Judaizers, these so-called Christians who didn't belong to the church, but they belonged to the Pharisees. They spent all this time cleaning up messes. Now, I want to challenge you today. Beware the leaven of false doctrine, like Jesus taught you. It's so insidious. It comes in so small, but it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And before long, churches are destroyed. This is why Paul was so clear in Titus chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. You must silence the teaching of false doctrine. You, 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 you can't sit around and think that false doctrine doesn't have an impact. It does. You know, if people start walking around COP talking about, I don't believe in tithing, I'm going to silence it. If people walk around COP talking about, I don't believe in the Trinity, I'm going to silence it. If people walk around COT teaching that, you know, I don't believe in salvation by faith, you know, I'm going to silence it. If people walk around COP saying, I don't believe in the rapture is by grace, you know, we have to, we have to earn the rapture, I'm going to silence it. And so will our pastors. There's a reason false doctrine must be silenced. It's a yeast. It's a leaven. All right, let's open I took a lot of time with that and did more preaching than devotional reading today, but these are important things. These are the second great crisis that could have destroyed the entire doctrine. Please understand me. The entire doctrine of salvation by grace. This was the mess they were cleaning up. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Amen. Now, some of you are looking for the cocoa sightings today, but sorry, I was up really, really early this morning and Coco got up with me and hung out with me for quite a few hours out here while I was working and studying. And uh, after she ate some of my breakfast, she wanted to go back to bed with mama. So sorry, no cocoa sightings today. So young people, you can be sad. But I understand the young people are, are taking pictures of the cocoa sightings. Have mercy. This is daily devotions. Oh, but Coco, I know, I know. I'm giving you a bad time. First Corinthians, or First Chronicles, chapter five today. Now, I'm going to, only going to hit some spots in here today because I really wanted to finish working on cleaning up the mess of false doctrines, and we'll get more back into our regular pattern uh, tomorrow. Uh, chapter five, verse one of First Chronicles. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he had defiled his father's couch. His birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Though Judah became strong among his brothers, and a chief came with from them, yet his birthright belonged to Joseph. Now, I want you to notice, brothers and sisters, 
that lifestyle challenges, lifestyle choices affect spiritual rights. Now, there are things that God has promised you, and there are rights that God has given you, so to speak, spiritual rights. The right to this, the right to that. But sometimes we forget that our lifestyle choices here, he defiled his father's couch. His birthright was taken from him and given to Joseph, the second youngest. Now, you can look at that and say, that's not fair. Well, that's your choice. But you always have to understand the consequences of your decisions, the consequences of your choices. Uncle Lester used to say something that sounded like this. He said, you make your decisions and then your decisions make you. And that was a very good statement, and I've never forgotten it. You make your decisions, and then your decisions determine your destiny. They, they, they make you. And this guy made a decision to defile his father's couch, and therefore his birthright. Now, God still had mercy on him. He still became strong among, among his brothers. A chief still came out from among him, but his birthright, his birthright as oldest son went to Joseph and Joseph's two sons. So you always, if you ever wonder why the, the two half-tribes, it's because Joseph was replaced by two half-tribes. He had the birthright. But again, the principle to learn is, well, two principles, really, a negative and a positive. Your bad choices affect your destiny. But notice Joseph's good choices. Joseph's choices to live right and to have faith and to not let bitterness get into his heart brought great blessings to his sons and all of his descendants. How many times have I taught you, parents, the greatest legacy that you can ever leave your children is a spiritual legacy, that you have lived right? Now, you know, uh, one of the young people asked me, they said, Pastor Samuel, if you had gone into business and things, you'd be a very rich man. I said, yes, I would. But I said, I'm a far richer man with what I've done. And they said, but what about, what about Shasha? What about her? This is when Shasha was younger. And I said, Shasha will be very blessed and Shasha will have plenty because I might not leave her tons of money, but I will leave her tons of blessing. And that's what some of you parents need to get a hold of. You've watched some of your older relatives do things and make horrible choices. And there's no blessings for their children. But you've done things right. You leave an incredible and spiritual inheritance for your children. That, that is greater than any amount of money that any parent could ever leave a child to leave blessings and promises of God upon their lives. Oh my goodness, that's the greatest thing forever. Now, we go through a bunch of genealogy, but I want you to come over here to verse 18. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had valiant men who carried shield and sword, and they drew the bow, expert in war, 44,760 able to go to war. And they waged war against the Hagrites, Jeter, Nathish, Nodab. And when they prevailed over them, the Hagrites and all who were with them were given into their hands. For they cried out to God in battle, and he granted their urgent plea because they had trusted in him. Now, brothers and sisters, notice these men were great warriors, valiant men. They carried shield, sword, and drew the bow. So these were well-equipped, brave men, great warriors, but notice they trusted 
They cried out to the Lord in battle, and he granted their urgent plea because they trusted in him. Now, let me talk straight up to some of you businessmen. You're not going to make it through this thing. I, I just read an a article early this morning that I received. How one of the top real estate people in the country said 40%, I believe it was 40% of all restaurants will close permanently. And talking about how the real estate market is affected. And he, he went through all of these things. And these were his predictions. And I just sat there and looked at it and thought, you know what? The longer this goes on, there are so many businessmen, they're not going to survive. And businessmen, you're not going to survive because of your cunning business skills. And you're not going to survive because you are well capitalized. Shield, spear, and drew a bow. You're going to survive and you're going to win. Because in this battle, you're going to cry out to God. They cried out to God in the battle. In the middle of the fight, they cried out to God. Some of you businessmen, you need to go into your office today and right in the middle of all of the trouble, just close the door and cry out to God. They cried out to God and he granted their urgent plea. Why? Because they were great warriors? No. Because they trusted in him. Oh, beloved, if you're going to make it through this, you're going to have to trust in him. You're not going to be able to trust in your business skill or your degrees. You're not going to be able to trust in your contacts. You're not going to be able to trust in your network is your net worth. I hate that saying. You're not going to be able to trust in any of that. God will hear your urgent plea. In the middle of the battle, you don't have three hours to fast and pray. You don't have 30 days to fast and pray. You have time to just say, God, I need your help. And God will hear your urgent plea. Because you're something special? No, because you trust in him. Ah. See, there's some beautiful little things stuck in here in the middle of all these genealogies. Now look on down to verse 23. The member of the half, members of the half-tribe of Manasseh, that's part of Joseph's family, lived in the land, and they became very numerous, from Bashan to Baal Harman, Sinair, and Mount Hermon. These were the heads of their father's houses, Ephr, Ishi, Elil, Azrael, Jeremiah, Horvaiah, and Jadal. Mighty warriors, famous men, heads of their father's houses, but they broke faith with the God of their fathers and whored after other gods of the peoples of the land whom the Lord had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pool, king of Assyria. And we have a great battle going on. Now, I want you to notice. Mighty warriors. Famous men. Heads of families. But they broke faith with the God of their fathers. Some of you businessmen, you're listening to me today. And forgive me, straight talk. You've broken faith with the God of your fathers. You're famous. You're strong. You're powerful. You're an influencer. But you've broken faith with the God of your fathers. And I'm sorry. Your, your great name and your strength is not going to help you. You need to humble yourself. 
you need to humble yourself before God. When you humble yourself before God and humble yourself under his mighty hand, the scripture is clear, he will exalt you in due time. But don't rest in your famousness. Don't rest in your strength. Don't break faith with the God of your fathers. Don't break faith with the God of your fathers. I think I'm out of time. I am. Do I have time for just one more? There's some really, really cool thoughts. But I'll stop there today. I've said some pretty strong things. I wanted to clean up the, the mess of false doctrines, and you needed to understand how important that was, so I gave time to that. So by both the teaching and the amount of time I gave to it, you see the importance we had to place upon it. But there's also these beautiful truths back here, men who make bad decisions and men who make good decisions. Are you going to be like Reuben, who makes a decision that causes the future of his family to be lost? Or are you going to be like these guys who, they're strong, they're powerful, they're famous, but they broke faith with the God of their fathers? Or are you going to be like these Reubenite guys? They cried out to God of battle, and he granted their urgent plea because they trusted in him. Let, let's be like these guys. Let's be like these Reubenites. We may not be perfect, and God knows all of our failings, and God knows all of our messes, but we can trust in him. No, you're not perfect, but you can trust in him. <laughs> you're never going to be perfect, forgive me, until Jesus comes in the rapture, and when you see him, you will be like him, for you will see him as he is, as the scripture says. But in the meantime, don't make choices for sin. Don't make choices to break faith with the God of your fathers. Make choices to trust in him. Father, there are many businessmen, very powerful men listening to me right now this morning. They don't like to be told what to do. They tell everybody else what to do. Father, I ask you, I beg you in Jesus' name, grant humility to their hearts as they humble themselves under your mighty hand. Lift them up. Lift them up, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.